I am so excited to welcome Drexel Hurd to Stonewall Spotlight. This is his first time on the show, and we're going to talk about the blue hurricane. We're going <laughs> to... The, the blue wave? The blue tsunami. The what? What storm is it? This is Stonewall Spotlight. is Stonewall Spotlight, a monthly podcast by the Stonewall Democratic Club, focusing on the most seen issues in democratic politics from the LGBTQIA and feminist lens. I'm your host today, Marcus Lovingood. Mackenzie Hussman, my co-host, is in London this time around, so it's just going to be you and me today. I sit down with the vice president of Community Drexel Hurd, and we talk about the presidential candidates in this special edition of Stonewall Spotlight, the Blue Tsunami Part 2. Drexel Hurd, Vice President of Community at the Stonewall Democratic Club. He's also the on the e-board of 8039 and also a political analyst for the BBC. On to Stonewall Spotlight to talk about the presidential race. Drexel, thank you so much for being on the show. I am so excited to be here, and I'm glad this is my first time. It's my first time as an officer of Stonewall, too, so I'm really excited to be here. And, uh, you know, so thanks for having me on. Hey, you know what? It's it's about time. I, I mean, listen, I was waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting. Yes, it's about time to have you up on the show. We're so excited. We've we're uh, you're on show number twelve. This is Stonewall twelve. Lucky number twelve. Lucky number twelve. And we're happy to have you. So tonight we're going to talk about the presidential hopefuls. Just like last uh, episode, we had Adam Crawl on who was our chair of endorsements to talk about his take on everybody in a race. So I And what a good episode that was. Did you like that? I mean, Adam is great, and your guys' conversation, you know, I I always said if I needed anybody to talk policy, uh, Adam knows everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I would, if I was running for office, I I would say, Adam, you just come with me somewhere. He's such a doll. (laughs) He's great. Isn't he such a doll? Yeah. He was was just so insightful. And whip smart. And we could just talk all, like, night. (laughs) <laughs> like I was just sitting there and I was like, can we just talk about the presidentials? Like, cause we didn't even talk about viability. We're going to talk about viability tonight. Yes, that'd be great. But we could have talked a whole hour. I about mean, I thought viability. I was here to talk about Broadway musicals, but clearly we're talking <laughs> politics tonight. I didn't, I was not prepared for this conversation. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners would love a little talk on Broadway, but tonight <laughs> we are talking about uh, the presidentials and this section in particular, we are going to call black and Democrat. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> from the black, brown, <laughs> and all around. We are drinking wine tonight and uh, having a really nice. That's the only way to get through politics, though. <laughs> it's the only Honest, way, honestly, right? if the only way to the only way to talk politics is you know you pour yourself a glass of wine, especially with all the crazy stuff that's oh, happening. Even today, gosh. the breaking news that I was you know I have a TV in my office, so I and I have it on CNN all day, and just listening to all of the stuff, it, it is exhausting. It's exhausting. And you just never know. And, you know, I go get my hair cut, you know, with black barbers. They just, they could talk forever. Ooh. But when I come in, they literally turn the TVs on to CNN <laughs> when I come in because they, they want to talk about they it. They want to talk. They want it your is, opinion. It is. Right? I, I swear to God, it, I oh walk in, goodness. it's on sports. And then they turn it on CNN. They're like, actually, 
we should watch CNN we right should watch now, CNN right? Because right right we don't want to know what he wants to say. <laughs> and but it's great, <laughs> and 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 it's also one of those opportunities to kind of engage people in the way that we're supposed to be engaged, right. especially Black folks. Um, uh, who who are listening? Who mm-hmm. want to know what's going on? Mm-hmm. And you know, one of my, my barber said to me the other day. He says, "How do you uh, keep people involved who are working families, who are working mothers, who don't know when uh, city council meetings are, who don't right. know when Stonewall meetings are, who can't get to someplace?" And I said, "You know, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is the 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 hard part about being." Um, an American and, and really understanding what's going on and staying informed um, when you're working two and three jobs and trying to raise it's a tough. family and it's tough, especially here in Los Angeles. And so that's why we are here to give y'all a taste. Hey, <laughs> pull up a chair. <laughs> right? Right? It's just so important. Place settings are out. It's so important. So we have 12 hopefuls in the race right now that were on stage on the last um, debate stage. Did yep. you you watch the debate? I did. Right. What did you think? I thought it was good. That's you know, this is the fourth. That was the fourth presidential debate. You know, we have the fifth one on November twentieth, right. and I know we'll be doing a debate watch party here in LA, um, in the Valley. And Great. you know, I thought it was a really, you know, we. I thought it was a really great conversation. Um, I think when you've got that many people, it was the most presidential candidates that had been on stage, I think, ever at mm-hmm. one time mm-hmm. um, between both parties, as far as I know. Uh, that's, what, that's what I heard. And the, I think it was great. I think Elizabeth Warren, um, her and Joe Biden kind of flip-flopped from the first debate. Joe Biden took all the hits in the first debate. Right. Elizabeth Warren took all the hits in the fourth debate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people kept asking me, you know, who do you think won the debate? And I said, based solely on performance and not being knocked down in that moment, uh, Elizabeth Warren had a really great right. oh, absolutely. debate. See, and my barber, my barber's like, you know, he's a little bit more sly when I come in and he's like, you know, I love that combo, but that Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> You know, it's that conversation right that now, combo. right? That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, that's very I love funny. that combo, but that Elizabeth Warren, she's coming up She's right. coming up strong, right? And I think that's going to be, uh, and we'll talk about it, I'm mm-hmm. sure, a little bit later, you know, the challenges that some of these candidates are facing. But, um, you know, Pete Buttigieg had a really great night. Uh, Amy Klobuchar had a surprisingly great night, but that was all based on attacks. I don't think it's based on um, anything that Amy Klobuchar will be able to contribute later on totally. if she gets further and further in, if she gets further and further into this, um, into the primary. Bernie Sanders always has a pretty solid standing. Um, he's not, he's not bringing anything new to the table and he's not bringing anything less to the table. Right. He's just kind of coasting because he knows he has that part of the, the, the base that he has um, that's not really going anywhere. Right. So he right. doesn't really have to work as hard uh, Joe Biden is also in the same boat. He doesn't have to work as hard. The only thing Joe Biden has to do is not screw up. That's that's the bar that we've set them right. to, right? Like they don't have to, Joe Biden doesn't have to screw up and he's still mm-hmm. going to be the front runner. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to say anything new. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with Adam um, and, and John Erickson, who's our political action chair, just about this particular situation in this debate because the attacks that Elizabeth Warren was getting on Medicare for All were the attacks that Bernie Sanders should have been getting. Right, exactly. Um, considering who started, who opened this door first mm-hmm. in this conversation. Um, and if you're going to ask Elizabeth Warren how she's going to pay for a plan, um, 
uh, and look, Elizabeth didn't do herself any favors by not saying exactly what Bernie said by raising taxes. I think that, uh, and we all know that, you know, it's like black people, uh, black folks had to work twice as hard. Right. Uh, I, I think well, the same, the, I, I think on some levels, the same um, adage can be applied to, to women. To Elizabeth Warren and, in and, particular. And, 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 I mean, yeah. the same thing with Hillary Clinton Absolutely. and any other woman, Shirley Chisholm on up, who have run for office. Um, the only one that really didn't care, Mosley Braun, you know, she was fine, but she wasn't really a strong contender mm-hmm. uh, during her time. Um, and so it is, the, 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 the bar is always raised a little bit higher for women and, and people of color in this case. So, so, uh, so let's, uh, I have the list here, and we're going to talk one at a time, but oh, gosh. I want to talk about the first one here because <laughs> she's, on, she's on everybody's lips. And she is, she is in particular, Roxy? no. So everybody, this is Tuesday. We're recording this on Tuesday. You'll be listening to this um, on uh, Monday. Um, but um, right now, um, the only candidate that is on Miss Hillary Clinton's lips right now <laughs> is Miss Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> so let's talk about <clears throat> Tulsi Gabbard. Who? What do you think about all the, <laughs> the Russian assets? <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. The uh, compromise. <laughs> I know, just wild. Um, well, so what's going on uh, here? Here's the thing. First of all, Hillary Clinton didn't even have to mention Tulsi Gabbard's name for Tulsi, Gabbard, for Tulsi Gabbard to jump on that. And I think in the world of... She didn't even say her name. Politics, and this is what I tell everybody. There are, there are people who study politics, political scientists, people who talk politics, political mm-hmm. analysts, stuff like that, who understand that politics is a chess game. It is people chess. That is exactly what politics is. Mm-hmm. Then there are people who know that um, that their role is to use politics uh, to help people. Mm-hmm. And those are the really good politicians. Um, and then there's the people in the middle that know that it's a chess game and that know that they that they have to do a job to help and they have to use the chess game to help people. Right. Uh, in this case, Hillary Clinton's no longer a public figure. She doesn't have to worry. She's not, I mean, there are rumors that she's going to run. I, I think Hillary Clinton just, <laughs> I think at this point, she's she is trolling some of these yeah. other people out there to drive them She's doing crazy. the night shows. Right. And she doesn't even have to do any night shows. All she has to do is tweet or do a, or right. do a podcast. It. And that's it. And that's what? it. A few words. And, and I think... the world. <laughs> right. And I think that she... Uh, really can say anything and knows that people like Tulsi Gabbard are just pieces on a chessboard. Right. And she has anticipated, if if she was talking about Tulsi Gabbard, in which we all believe that she was, Tulsi Gabbard did exactly the move that Hillary Clinton thought she would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Hillary Clinton has been in this game for long enough. She's also a former Secretary of State. She continues to get uh, intelligence briefings. Yeah. She knows. It's not like she don't know. Right? Oh, she knows. She knows. <laughs> and and if this was the if this was the moment to uh, to knock Tulsi back uh, a couple of pegs, uh, then so be it. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that in her race, uh, in the second Hawaii congressional district, uh, where she's running for re-election, she's got a challenger uh, who's who, who seems to be very popular. Who uh, folks are going to start to donate to. Um, she's doing that job, uh, or, or, or or the media has mm-hmm. done a really good mm-hmm. job of, and Tulsi Gabbard herself, of making this about Tulsi. Right, 100%. Yeah. I think it's very shocking that something like, like, you know, that's so relevant, someone that, you know, is within the Democratic Party, right, like Tulsi Gabbard that's running for president, and you have someone like Hillary Clinton who could just make a suggestion 
and then it's it's almost like Tulsi is a second thought after this but, because but Tulsi, she wasn't. It, that's she the was thing. Like, Tulsi was never a first thought, right? And, she in this never. primary, and she was she was one of the lowest polling uh, candidates, and the Hillary Clinton comment didn't help her out any. Yeah. It just brought more attention. A lot more unwanted attention, I'm sure, to Tulsi, uh, but certainly didn't help her. It yeah. didn't. It didn't gain her any sympathy, uh, because I think this is what people already, not necessarily that they already thought about her, but they did. You know, I think that her position, weird. her something position on on Bashir al Assad, always threw people off. Yeah, Obviously, her position strange. on LGBT rights, uh, coming out of Hawaii oh and her fan and her family background, like those are the things. You know, I listen. I'll it be doesn't go with, away. If if, if Tulsi record on um, foreign policy in terms of her Assad Apologist Act, uh, her LGBT record, on paper, if you look at her military record, if you look at her as a person of color, if you, uh, you know, we always have a perception of what we view as somebody being presidential or somebody being a great candidate or somebody that we could really see up on the stage. Tulsi Gabbard, for everything that we know about how we vet candidates or how we look at candidates or how we put candidates up on a podium would be that candidate. Mm -hmm. Tulsi Mm -hmm. Gabbard, outside of those two things that I talked about, she sits on armed service, she sits on some of these things, would be a pretty decent vice presidential presidential candidate, right? Sure, sure. Like, but there are huge problems with her as a candidate mm-hmm. uh, and she, like I said she didn't give her she didn't do herself any favors by jumping on a on, on a wagon when her, she wasn't even named she could have even been like I don't even know who she's talking about I don't know who she thought she didn't have to say a word you know it's like Kiki Palmer being like I don't know this man. I don't know this. <laughs> I, you <laughs> know I, I, I don't I, I've seen a lot of people I don't know who this man is I don't is. know who this man is <laughs> if I saw her walking down the street I wouldn't I wouldn't know who that was sorry this sorry man. that man <laughs> <laughs> so that's, right. that's the fair Look at Tulsi Gabbard, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not listen. I'm not no, nowhere near a Tulsi Gabbard fan. I'm just looking at it solely based on what we define as a candidate who is worthy of attention, right? And had had this been a very different Tulsi Gabbard based on her background, her military background, mm-hmm. her you know, I mean, she would have just been a rising star. I mean, she was already vice chair of the party at one already. Point. And, and I mean, what I saw is that she was just on her way for, you know, a defense secretary. I mean, in my sure. opinion, she was sure. gunning for that role. Right. Now it's just kind of like, it's all compromised. Right. Uh, so, Maybe all right. She is. <laughs> Who knows? Ooh. All right. Cory Booker. Listen, I like Cory Booker. I, I think, let's talk Cory. I think, uh, Cory Booker has been a great Senator for New Jersey. Um, I think a lot of the criticisms on his background, particularly on on, on pharmaceutical companies and big his banks. need to big banks. One thing I always remind folks when we're talking about how politicians work with inside their states is they have an obligation to the state first and then obligation to the nation uh, equal equally. Uh, some, some, I won't say second, but they do have an obligation to represent their state. Uh, to the nation. Uh, if your state is an agricultural state, you're obviously going to spend a lot more time focused on agriculture. Uh, in this case, Cory Booker represents a state that has an overwhelmingly a, a lot of pharmaceutical companies that are housed within New Jersey. Right. Um, so his job at some, on some level is probably going to be to protect the companies that are within New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, he does over the Hudson, over from the Hudson, Wall right? And I think that when you when you take that out and you start to look at why somebody would make a decision like that, 
we look at we as as a normal voter look at things on a national level you know politics as we always tell people is local and in this case to to state to senators to united states senators sometimes those decisions have to be based on the state's interests at the same time and what is going uh to benefit the state um, and sometimes they make the right decisions, sometimes they don't. And I think that Cory Booker, um, you know, that is certainly something that has hurt him. Um, but he's not, he, he's also not as presidential. Um, he mm-hmm. listen, he's, he's super folksy. Uh, people like him. He's very likable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's dating Rosario great Dawson, great That's speaker, right. you know, and you know, he has a really, he's, he's a lot of great policies. Um, but do I think he's going to be, president of the United States? Absolutely not. I, and listen, it, he, he spent the last, right before this last debate, he needed to raise like, you know, $800,000, whatever the number was. Whatever it was. Um, and, and when you get to that point where you're basically like begging, begging to begging get money, to you know, that, that's, that's, that's tough. Yeah. You think he's going to take a cabinet position of offer? I think Cory Booker would make a great governor of New Jersey. Governor, something you know, like that. I think right? he'll take something. I think he's a fabulous person. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I want to talk about Mayor Pete for a minute because uh, it's a very uh, interesting conversation to have about Mayor Pete. Um, <laughs> he is a gay. He is part of our community. Right. He is a homosexual. A very huge, massive, massive... Um, accomplishment, achievement for the gay communities, even have a uh, LGBTQ um, individual in the running for president. And quite honestly, I think that if Joe Biden were to fall for some strange reason, right, that I think that there is an opening for someone like Pete Buttigieg, who seems to be that middle round, that, that, me, that uh, you know, middle kind of voice that people might be comfortable with. Because at times, you know, when Barack Obama was first starting the primary, people were, you know, there's no way we're going to have a black president. People are thinking now there's no way we can have a gay president. But, you know, the, it looks like he's, ra- he's fundraising like no other. And whenever he speaks, he speaks from the heart. He's a veteran. He's a Rhodes Scholar. He's a mayor. So uh, things are looking good uh, from Pete Buttigieg. But, you know, what, 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 do you, what do you feel about him? I think Mayor Pete's great. Um, I, I, to what you said about Barack Obama, you know, Barack Obama, black voters actually didn't jump on the Barack Obama bandwagon until after he won the first, his first primary. Primary, that's right. And, but I think it's a little bit different right now. I haven't heard, and maybe it's because we live in California, uh, and we're a part of this party where we're not actually hearing what the, what some of the flyover state Democrats are thinking. Um, but it doesn't seem that Pete Buttigieg, that, that his... You know, we were at. I was at the LGBT town hall, and I don't remember. You know, when he came out on the stage, obviously there was a big applause. But he has not let his, um, you know, being gay define him as a presidential mm-hmm. candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we define him as 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 a gay candidate uh, because it's easy to identify with somebody like mm-hmm. that. I think for him, um, he has been pretty consistent. Um, you know, he doesn't get a lot of LGBT questions. It, it's just not it's something true, that yeah. he's, 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 that he's focused on. And the, and, and the less, because the less, the more questions that he gets about, uh, on LGBT questions, uh, on LGBT issues, the more people identify him as the LGBT candidate. Right. And that is not what this, that his campaign. Pigeonholes him. It, 
the, yeah, and 100%. his campaign has not even Mm-mm. made that an issue. Um, because that that has not defined him, and he has not let that be his thing. And Barack Obama did the same thing. Mm -hmm. He didn't go out there saying, hey, look, I'm the black candidate. (laughs) Even through his presidency, he didn't say, I am, and I think, I can't remember, and somebody I'm sure sure will correct me if I'm wrong, Um, you know, I'm sure Barack Obama would be the first to say, I'm not the president of black America. I'm the president of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that, and Pete Buttigieg would probably say the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not the president of, 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 of LGBT Americans across the country. I am the president of the United States of America because LGBT Americans are Americans, and that is how we, we, we deal with issues. And that might be the charm of it, because I think at the end of the day, you have to know someone to really feel their pain at right. the end of the day. Right. You know, And I feel that because Pete Buttigieg is out front now, as he's you know, part of that top five, I would say, you know, presidential candidates right now, they're getting the most media attention that's doing the best, raising the most money. Just having the optics, just having him part of the conversation, it's almost like those individuals that may not have had a gay friend, known someone that is gay, and would not have the experience personally with someone who is gay, but now sees him as a presidential candidate that might be gay, but has all these other incredible things about him, fighting really hard for values that they understand. This might be the entry that the LGBTQ community really needs to, you know, take those flyover states and say, look, we are you. You know, don't, don't be afraid of us. Sure, and I think Pete Buttigieg certainly will be that. You know, he's like the safe gay, right? Right. He, he's no, no. Seriously, he he, he is? really is somebody that people go. Mm-hmm. You're not a th- t- to somebody who may feel uncomfortable around um, uh, 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 gay Americans. Like he is a safe person and mm-hmm. they they make him feel safe because he he's not what they would assume as somebody that's threatening which is like really shitty to say right, right. because you're like it's like yo yeah you, you don't come off you know it's like that, that is you know when you're like you uh, i didn't know you were gay you don't come off you as don't come gay. off as gay and that's <laughs> that's that is why i think pete Buttigieg certainly has advanced as far mm-hmm. as he has right um, and why they're not talking about exactly. why LGBT issues are not being talked about. I think part of his problem certainly is going to be the fact that you know he just hired a Goldman Sachs uh, executive as his policy director. Uh, that he you know is is being advised by Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Some of his uh, you know as they get closer uh, in this primary, uh, how how he handled uh, South Bend as mayor, uh, particularly for the people of color in mm-hmm. South Bend. Those are the things that are those are the things that are going to come up. Um, as he gets higher and higher into the polls, he's polling at, at third uh, in Iowa right now. So yeah, he's gonna have his he's gonna have his time, uh, and his campaign's certainly gonna have to navigate. And of course, Chastin, uh, his husband, has been a great asset to him, uh, particularly particularly asset. on social media, right. um, because he really uh, reaches out to folks uh, and certainly does his due diligence uh, to be a a future uh, first spouse. You want to go see Hamilton with him? Listen, yeah. I'll sit next to Justin. You get those ass too. Little Kiki, right. you know. I love it. I see, love it. see Hamilton with my husband. I mean, right. he's like, I don't want to see it, but then I'll send Justin. But, you know, I'll send my. Husband. Like, I got things to do. I'm running for president. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. It's like Chastin, he's just sitting there, you know, looking all pretty. Like, right. come see Hamilton right. with me. <laughs> 
podcast. It's funny. I love it so much. All right, so let's talk about some other dark people. Uh, Kamala Harris, our girl, the Queen of California, California, California State Senator, State Senator, Senator Kamala Harris. Yeah. Ooh, I, girl. I love Kamala Harris. I love the girl. Girl. Um, you know, I said to somebody the other day, I feel like Kamala Harris got pushed into this, right? Like everybody, when she was running a few years ago, you know, it's, it's almost like Barack Obama got pushed into it. When Barack Obama came out in 2004, he did this great convention speech. Everybody said, you're going to be president of the United mm-hmm, States. Mm-hmm. And then over time, people just kept feeding that and feeding that and feeding that until eventually right. Barack Obama was like, I'm going to do it. It's like Beto O'Rourke, right? right. Like Beto O'Rourke was running for Senate. Beto O'Rourke gets pushed into this when he had no reason to be into this. And, and he still has He no did, reason. and people right. were calling and for people him. People were like, you need to run. Right. You're like, wow, why? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't win your race. Uh, and 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 you really need to focus on on your district and the people of Texas. Uh, and, and there are opportunities in Texas uh, running against John Cornyn and a couple other people that you could be doing right now, um, which I hope you certainly. Does. I hope so. And you hear us, Beto. You I hear that? You listen, listening? If you're listening, Beto. If you're listening. Um, <laughs> but I think with Kamala Harris, she did get pushed into that box. People said, "Well, wow, mm-hmm. you could really be the next president of the United States. Mm-hmm. You are a." Successful black woman in America. Check, 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 check. <clears throat> right. A former Everything. attorney general, mm-hmm. a former district attorney. Um, you're well respected. You had a really great campaign running for United States Senate. You, I mean, they put her on, you know, these committees, these yeah. high level committees. Huge state. Huge. It's a huge Lots state. So, like, why wouldn't you run for president? Right, 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 right. Um, and I think it, if Kamala Harris. <laughs> If Kamala Harris would have come out, <coughs> excuse me, with some really bold um, speeches, speeches straight out the gate, mm-hmm. and said, "This is what we need to do," uh, you know, if she would have acknowledged uh, from the jump her stances on criminal justice reform, her problematic uh, stances on criminal justice reform, particularly uh, in her time as. Um, district attorney and attorney general here in California, um, when you know that those are the attacks, it's like Elizabeth Warren the other night during the debate uh, on Medicare for All, when you know that those are the attacks that are going to be coming your way, why not have a response ready for that? Right. Why not be a, a head or of it? Or get right? ahead of it right. and get do a speech on it. it and say, listen, I wish Kamala Harris, and I said this a week, months ago, I said I wish Kamala Harris would really do one of those Barack Obama, Jeremiah Wright speeches and say, I know my record. Mm-hmm. I do stand by my record. I could see how it's problematic. And here are the things that I'm going to do to change X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to be afraid of my record because I did it because of X, Y, and Z. And now I know that certain things, those certain policies may or may not have worked or may or may, or may have disadvantaged certain communities. And here is my plan to fix X, Y, right. and Z. That's all she needed That's to say. That's all she needed to do. And I don't understand why they did not go out there and say, this is the speech you need to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Mayor Pete did that. Mayor Pete <clears throat> said I couldn't get it done. But he said it not in a speech. He said it in a in a in a you know a little gaggle. In a forum, right? But Kamala Harris is running on mm-hmm. her prosecutorial mm-hmm. record. She's mm-hmm. running as a prosecutor, she's running as a lawyer. Those are the questions that she gets asked. So why not say this is what I'm gonna do? And make this a part of this because right now the only person that is really talking about criminal justice reform in a way that people are really identifying with is Julian Castro, right? And he was Secretary of, uh, of Housing and Urban housing Development. Urban so you know you've got 
<clears throat> a black woman at the top uh, who uh, has a record like Kamala's give the speech. Give the speech. Speaking of wonderful segue, <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful segue into Mr. Julian Castro. Should have been the vice president to pick Sh- for Hillary Clinton. Should have been. <laughs> I love Julian Castro. Let me tell you, he is a fiery one, and he likes to stick it to people. There's this. Uh, there's an article going around right now saying uh, the com- what the conversation would be if Julian Castro were white. Saw uh, that. Yeah, did you see that? Very interesting conversations here. Very interesting uh, discourse. I think that Julian Castro has stuck around. I think he's his uh, com- his um, you know the stuff that he's talking about. His policies are still incredibly relevant. He hasn't been able to break through the top you know tier candidates, but that doesn't always mean that he is you know you know wavering. Where do you think he he has from here on forward? What what, what do you think the path to, is? There a path to victory? Um, I don't think there's a path to victory for Julian Castro. I think the only path to the White House is him being on somebody's ticket, mm-hmm. um, which, again, he should have been on the last ticket. But I think that he certainly has proven himself to be somebody who um, is the future of the party. You know, you've got these young folks, Pete Buttigieg, uh, uh, Julian Castro, um, who will be, you know, formidable vice presidential candidates. Um, and I think that's really what he's going to end up mm-hmm. doing because mm-hmm. it's not I hope like so. he's not going to win a state. And somebody said the other day, well, why doesn't he just run in, in Texas? And I said, he, you know, he is what, Beto O'Rourke is what Julian Castro should have been. Mm-hmm. Julian Castro should have been the face of the Democratic Party in the state of Texas. Right, right. And, should have been. And, and, you know, he's got the, between him and his brother, they've got a great story. And, you know, I think they went to Stanford uh, and, you know, they know how to run a really good campaign and they have worked really hard. And, and listen, he was a cabinet secretary to President Obama. So um, he should have been who the Democratic Party invested in uh, at some point um, uh, to, to get him to where he needed to be. And, and, you know, I attribute that to the, you know, you know, I don't talk about Barack Obama's failures often, but the... Uh, the bench building that mm-hmm. Barack Obama should mm-hmm. have done um, should have happened, uh, as well as Hillary Clinton. Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton really should have said, "These are the candidates these that are, are coming people, up." Right? You know, these or, or I'm not going to put Tim Kaine up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What Ooh, What is next? This? It's like yes. what is next for Tim Kaine? Right. We should always be thinking what is next. You, if mm-hmm. you don't think Republicans are out there being like, "Who is next in line?" Then you're kidding yourself. Right. It should always be. Not only who's the grooming right person, grooming that horse, right? Why aren't we grooming? If, these are horses, they the right person? You know, right. And can they be the next person? Can they be the next person? That's that's what really matters. I, we need to be have more horses in this game, continually growing them in in foresight. We need right. to be grooming horses for the for twenty twenty four, twenty twenty eight. You know, down the line. And and I say that here in in Los Angeles with some of our clubs, Stonewall. You know, we have a really great um, uh, 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 program of. That, that Ryan Basham has kind of built a leadership mm, academy mm-hmm. where we are building these young leaders. One of them being the pro- my pride chair, right? You know, who came out of that academy. So, you know, those are we should be looking. And when I was on the board of SFVYD, I would say to everybody, why aren't we 
going out there and finding young people who are interested in running for office and working with them to get them on neighborhood councils. Mm -hmm. Those are the ways that you start to get people engaged. And those are the ways that you start to, to, to get folks involved and pushing those policies. Because if if folks that don't know, folks that may be listening across the country, you know, we have neighborhood councils here, they get $40,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you literally are a little mini legislator because you have to allocate money. You're getting money from the city. ABC licenses you decide on, exactly. alcohol licenses, you know, little things, but important. Right. And so like, if you are, if you are interested in getting involved, you've got to, you, you know, those are the ways to do it. And the democratic party as a whole should also be, really having a whole program mm-hmm. to where we are, you know, spotlighting our Democrats, uh, our up-and-coming Democrats, Katie Porter, Ayanna Presley, mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, mm-hmm. like those are the ones, the entire squad, basically. You know, we, <clears throat> we get fixated on three people, uh, and then we forget about all the other people that are doing equally as good work. Absolutely. When we come back, the rest of the field, the front runners. <laughs> When I do hearings, what I really focus on, and I know this may sound silly, is actually asking questions. A lot of my colleagues use their five minutes to give a speech, and that's really a loss because the goal of these hearings is to have interaction with witnesses and to put to these witnesses the questions that Americans have on their minds. And so when I went back and forth with Mr. Diamond about um, how a worker at his bank could make ends meet on the salary that he was paying, I was really trying to give voice to the fact that real Americans are out there earning that salary, earning less than that, facing expenses, and trying to make ends meet. Um, He said repeatedly that he'd have to think about it, um, and I I actually didn't feel good when I walked away from that hearing. I think people think that when I grill these witnesses, um, somehow I get a high out of it, but I'm often really disappointed because what I want is for them to give good, thoughtful answers that that reassure me and that I hope reassures the American people that they're committed to the jobs that they're tasked with, they understand the challenges that Americans are facing, and that they're willing to be partners with their government in working to solve these problems. So this is this is really about making sure that we're doing our work, holding witnesses accountable, and trying to bring them into the real life experiences of the American people so that we can cooperate to try to solve those problems. The reason that I ran for Congress is because my predecessor voted with the president over 99% of the time, standing with him ahead of Californian families. And I'm pleased that my so many of my colleagues came to Washington with energy to get things done for the American people and to hold the administration accountable when it's not working as it should. Like so many of my colleagues, this is my first time um, in office, and I brought with me that fresh energy um, and a real sense of what we, the people, want for this country. As you know, we've passed several um, pieces of legislation, and they're just sitting there in the Senate. Um, Examples are common sense gun violence prevention, reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act, reducing the influence of dark money in politics, um, climate change bills, and so much more. I think one of the lessons that I learned during the 2018 election 
was that power in this country ultimately rests with the people. So if you believe that we should have universal background checks, if you believe that we need to train law enforcement officers to respond appropriately to domestic violence, to protect equal rights for the LGBTQ community, um, to get money out of our political system, if these are your priorities and your values, then make your voice heard in our government. Call your senators, reach out to your Congress people, get involved in elections up and down the ticket, and most of all, vote. Because when we come together as a movement, that's when we really begin to make that progress that we the people deserve. The Stonewall Democratic Club is a member-based organization looking for members. Are you interested in getting involved in democratic politics and further help the party take back the White House, House of Representatives, and the Senate? Visit stonewalldems.org. We want you. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're having a great conversation about public public funding. Public public funding of elections, elections, um, which Chris and Gillibrand was a was a big proponent of she was you know she's something like two hundred dollars or something in in um like patriot bucks or something that everybody gets to give to their candidate you know patriot bucks yes yeah, something like that. like that is that like board bucks in college yes that you would just it's like, like bitcoin, bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 it's it's so <laughs> so I, I i would like to explain this for you. it's actually very interesting so it's a f- similar situation in Seattle right now. They have it where everybody gets a hundred dollars in these Patriot bucks, right? But it's not like you get them in the mail. Okay, the only people that can that can get access to these bucks are people running for office. So what you have to do is you have to go around door to door, right? And you actually get the form, right? You get the bucks in form of twenty five dollar vouchers, and you actually go to door to door and you convince people to sign away their vouchers to you. And so you if you can get someone to sign away their $25 voucher or even their whole $100 voucher, you take the $100 voucher to the to the um, you know, to the elections commission they give you a $100 check. And that and you know that literally is kind of similar to how Chris and Joe Brand wanted to do right. it where we can publicly fund elections. Is that interesting? Right. But then who pays? Who pays for taxpayers? Right, yeah. right. So, but why? So, what's the point of we handing out it. monopoly we money? Right, when you're when you're like, why doesn't if the taxpayer is already going to pay for it, just give everybody equal, divvy up equally? Yeah. You know? Not, hey, knock on the doors. Yeah. Speaking of equally, and lots of people, um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, small donors. Let's talk about Bernie Sanders for a minute. Bernie Sanders had a heart attack. He recovered from the heart attack. He has raised an ungodly amount of money from the most amount of small donors. He was screwed out of the Democratic Party primary last time by some people would say, you know. I'm glad you cleared that up. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and he has continued to conti- to uh, do well in this primary so far. Are we going to see Bernie Sanders in the convention? Uh it's one of those questions that, you know, when you're <laughs> doing one of these things, you have to be very careful about what you say about Bernie Sanders. Yes. Um, it's a touchy one. I think that, and it's something that I said at the top of the program, which was Bernie hasn't Bernie hasn't done anything extra. Um, he right, hasn't right. certainly done anything less. Um, you would think that a candidate who ran in 2016 would... Um, run a more um, effective campaign mm-hmm. uh, that would propel him to the top to allow somebody to leapfrog over you like 
Elizabeth Warren or of Pete Buttigieg, uh, when you were a very popular candidate in, tw- in, in the last election, um, says a lot. And, and that is less about your policies and more about the effectiveness of your campaign. Mm-hmm. And if you can't run an effective campaign, you can't run an effective presidency. And I think that Bernie Sanders is going to have to figure out how he can separate himself from uh, those two that have that have already surpassed him in certain polls, uh, and um, and 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 Joe Biden. Yeah. Do you think the effect that the squad endorsing Bernie Sanders this this week, do you think that that had a drastic effect on his popularity or his or you know success going into the Iowa primaries at all? No. That those three, with the exception of Ayanna Presley, who was not a part of that endorsement, um, who actually Ayanna Presley—that's right, she wasn't. It Ayanna was Presley it endorsed was Hillary Clinton in last AOC, election, and Ileana Omar, Ileana Omar, and uh, and and Rashid Tlaib. Right. Yep. And th- those folks represent the Bernie base in 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 terms of policy. Sure. And so the folks that were already with Bernie Sanders are going to be like, of course they are. Um, moderate Democrats across the country, uh, those who aren't Bernie Sanders fans, who more Elizabeth Warren, like nobody's like, oh yeah, what I, I'm going to listen to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Um, you know, those are the folks that uh, um, the, the, they haven't really sway. They got to sway. I think it's so interesting because, as we know. It was ready for Warren before it was the people for Bernie. And when but in back in 2016, Elizabeth Warren was the one that was, well, was ready people were talking. First. Right. And then right, exactly. <laughs> and then when Elizabeth Warren decided not to run in 2016, Bernie Sanders was the one that took all that that, you know, thunder. And it's very interesting to me that that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez decided to endorse Bernie Sanders over Elizabeth Warren because it seemed like Elizabeth Warren was kind of the first person to jump in that realm, then jump out, and then jump in later. But I just think it's very interesting. I don't think that it wasn't surprising to me. I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, who is an outstanding congresswoman from New York, um, that she, as soon as she became a congresswoman, she was going to latch herself to Bernie. He, he has been a mentor to her, and you know, so I I watched her video that she put out that the camp that Bernie Sanders campaign put out, and you know, um, wh- while Bernie Sanders might not be anywhere near the top of my personal list of people that I'd like to see as president, um, it, it was a really compelling video from mm, her. Mm-hmm, and she really mm-hmm. talked about uh, why she felt that Bernie was the right person at the right time. Right. Uh, and listen, I, I it, it certainly won't hurt her in her reelection. Um, and she can say, listen, I stuck by Bernie because I stuck by yeah, we'll policies that I believed in. And uh, whatever she does next uh, will... Because what you notice is that Republicans don't actually... They go after her but they don't go after her as hard as they go after uh, Representative Ileana Omar for, right, for right. obvious of reasons. Course, of course. Um, because um, uh, it's easier for Republicans to go after uh, Muslims in this country than it is to go after Hispanics in this country, mm-hmm. even though they, go, right. e- even though they they have they have proven time and time again that uh, going after Hispanics in this country is certainly something at the top of their agenda. 
and um, and so they, it's easier to make it's easier to make Muslim Americans the villain. Mm-hmm. You know, here in Los Angeles, we just charted Los Angeles County Democratic Party just charted uh, one of the first Muslim American Democratic right. uh, clubs uh, the other day, and mm-hmm. like you know, and, and and which is amazing, right? And it is, and so that that but to your question. It won't change for unfortunately for Bernie. It won't change um, anything. Listen, he'll continue to get those donors, um, uh, those individual donors. But those donors don't always turn into votes. <laughs> it's is anyone talking about Tom Steyer right now? <laughs> I, I, are I well, I, God bless him. God bless him. Yes, I I, lo- I love the the money total. <laughs> Listen, when you can put <laughs> when you can put forty seven million dollars into your campaign and spend it all in the same in the same month, you're I mean, investing is, in your campaign. You're investing in something. Yeah. Um, and me. Tom Steyer. Listen, uh, we we have a mutual friend who's on the campaign, and right, and uh, and and and. He is, it's a very interesting, it's just like, why are you up there, dude? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you, you, he's trying. You, I mean, but invest that money yeah. in candidates down ballot. $47 million could literally help candidates oh across gosh. this country. Across the country. Local, if you want to help state. the Democratic Party and you want to help get this president out or you want to help change some of those policies, invest your money Lord. into not... Like, nobody give, nobody wants to see another impeach Trump commercial on television. Listen, I don't want Tom Steyer to be like a, you know, like one of those Koch brothers, but I do... to to But, I, but we do want him to be able to say, I'm using this money to, for, the, for, Coke for, for, good. for the good. Coke for good. Right. We want the Coke brothers for good. We want the good Coke the brothers. Good, the good Coke brothers. Good That's Coke what we need. Right. Is Andrew Yang a Republican? No. What's what's? I, I would I would categorize him more as a. Um, well, he's not a libertarian either. I I I think he's Optimist. a Democrat. He's certainly listen uh, for somebody who understands who says he understands math. Uh, he certainly doesn't understand delegate math and uh, doesn't understand that the numbers aren't in his favor, and he needs to be very honest with people about that. Um, yeah, his UBI, uh, he's been beating that drum for a very long time. Sure, and I think in the first debate, and I've said it uh, on, on different podcasts before, you know, if you come out in your signature policy, and this is why Elizabeth Warren got hit, not that Medicare for All is her, her signature policy or Kamala Harris on criminal justice reform, um, if, you get, if you know you're going to get a question about universal basic income and you're on national television, mm-hmm. have a very good answer mm-hmm. about how to explain it in a 75 second sound. If bite. it's your your, you know, literally key what you policy are right? out there for. It's one thing to say, well, it's one thing for his supporters to say, well, it's all on his website. Well, listen, well, the majority of the Americans who are not policy wonks, who are not, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they Want they see what they see on television, right? They vote based on what they hear and what they see on television. And you have an opportunity in that seventy-five second question, and it was the first question he was asked uh, in the first debate to blow people away. To be like, this is it. This is give it. them, give them what, give the people. I uh, said, give the people what they want. Thousand dollars. I, I don't. I, I. I. don't. I understand universal basic basic income. I understand its appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you it's know, expensive. It, it's 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 very expensive. However, I think you know there was the, the the second debate where Andrew or third debate, whatever, where Andrew Yang said, "I am going to give one hundred twenty thousand dollars or one hundred twenty thousand dollars, but I'm giving the twelve families the twelve dollars, twelve families, right?" And you're like, "But I'm only going to do it in Iowa and New Hampshire." But it didn't make any sense. Oh, I didn't sen- know that. Yeah, that's what he said. Which oh, a right, right, he right. couldn't do because it was campaign money. But b what he didn't, what I, w- what I would have challenged him if I was Kamala Harris or anybody from a, a state uh, that uh, had a population uh, like it did or had cost of living uh, the way that it is, I would have said, why don't you invest that money into families uh, in, in states like California, New York City, uh, uh, cities like Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, Baltimore, Raleigh, North Carolina, some of these bigger cities, Detroit. Chicago, Detroit, and see how that money will get them there. Right, exactly. I was like, mm-hmm. because you're going to Iowa and New Hampshire where the cost of living is a lot lower, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and see how that $1,000 is going to get somebody to the next to the next level. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is if they're not paying for, because you got to, with, with universal basic income, you got to, you something's got to go. Mm-hmm. Do a majority of people want uh, universal health care or Medicare for all? Yes. Do a majority of people want um, universal child care, universal pre-K, uh, universal college? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yes. Do a majority of people, um, you know, want to make sure, do a majority of people want to stay safe? Yes, because we know that a majority of the, the federal budget goes to defense. So, and, and at the end of the day, one of those three programs is going to go. Mm-hmm. So to pay for this. To pay for this. To pay for this. Uh, you you know, presidents only get one big policy. The robots are going to about to take over, y'all. And I really wish. <laughs> and I really, yeah. It ain't, the, I, dark, it ain't and, the Mexicans, y'all. It ain't the dark people. And on automation, <laughs> I really wish the Democrats would, would get honest mm-hmm. about automation mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the American people. The American people. Because... If you're not saying, yes, we know that this is coming, and part of it is because corporations want to keep their money and they mm-hmm. want to make it easier and they want to make it faster. Right. It is less, and, and, and technology certainly is taking, uh, technology is only taken over because people want faster. They want money. We live in an age right now, and you, and you know it uh, as well as I do. We live in an age right now where we want things right now. Mm-hmm. We want the information right now. We want to go to the self-checkout line right now because we don't want to wait in that line. Right. Those are the thing. That is where we are as a country or where we are as a world. It's instant gratification. It's likes on Facebook. It's likes on Instagram. It's instant. It's what we know. And that is where automation will eventually take over because we've been conditioned mm-hmm. to want it with a quickness right away and what's going to happen is it's only going to hurt those uh, families and those workers um, because of your need for speed and if anything uh andrew has at least pulled the democrats into a mind frame that automation is taking our jobs and to uh, and to but Barack obama was also talking about he it was right talking before. about it he literally talked about it right before he left office it was a thing. <sighs> it's so true. Amy Kay and Beto O'Rourke are the are two presidential candidates that are from the flyover states, we like to call, right? Not Beto. Not, Texas isn't a Well, Texas. State. I mean, <laughs> it's not, Amy, right? Amy, yes. Amy Pete, is. Pete Buttigieg, Amy is. yes. Yes. <laughs> Bet, but we'll talk, about, we'll talk about Amy Kay first, okay? Who I love to death. Yes. She's so funny. 
She's the. F- I think we, she's. We hilarious. met her at the last convention. We did. She was great. She was so absolutely hilarious. Yeah. She's raised thirteen thousand dollars from uh, from uh, ex boyfriends. Uh, she's stuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> I actually forgot about that. Yes, just... it was hilarious. She's stuck in there. Does she have a chance? I don't know. Um, I think right now what we're seeing is, you know, in the first couple of debates, the more leftist candidates had their moment. Mm-hmm. And in the last two debates, the more moderate candidates really stuck it to them. They did. And... I always say that in states like California, and I say this as a member of the California Democratic Party, like the party, the state party is more progressive than California voters. So what we hear in our bubbles, what we hear in our Democratic clubs in Los Angeles, what we hear, in, you know, everybody's a lot more progressive than the voters around them. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I live in the Valley and I talk about it all the time. I represent the Valley. The Valley voters are a lot more conservative than people think they are. Right, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that they don't want to help folks. It's just Porter Ranch, North Hollywood, North Hills. A lot of those areas, if you look at those representatives, they're moderate Democrats. They're not right. far left Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and their policies certainly reflect that. But um, so I think we'll, this is which is why we're seeing a rise in Pete Buttigieg. Right, um, right. Elizabeth Warren, for you know, I think what helped her with moderate Democrats is her basically saying, "I'm a capitalist." I'm a capitalist. Yeah, that's it. Using it, the I C mean, that word. was it. That's that all was she it. needed to say. I'm a capitalist, and it, and it really set her apart from Bernie Sanders Bernie. by saying, "I understand." You know, what did she say the other night? She said um, she called it accountable capitalism mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on that debate stage mm-hmm, the other day, mm-hmm. and. That's what people want. That's what people want. Is a mixture of both. Uh, li- listen, that's, a compro- little mix. that's compromise, right? Right. And what we've seen from Bernie Sanders over the past few years is that he is unwilling to compromise his positions to get things done. Now, that might not be a bad thing. What I mean to say is when you go into a, a conversation and you go into a negotiation, you say what you got to say. But if you're unwilling to budge, which it does not seem that Bernie Sanders is ever willing to budge on anything... Um, people don't want to be in that room with mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and Elizabeth Warren has said, this is what I want to do. I understand capitalism enough to, uh, to know that I will hold everybody accountable, just like I did with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're still going to get it done that way. I love it. I just absolutely love it. And I think that it's going to be a Joe, a Joe and Liz kind of mm-hmm. deal at the end of the day. But yeah. before we leave... Before we head to the two top candidates, we we gotta we gotta talk about Beto for a second. He's always the one that gets kind of like he gets one second. <laughs> yeah, he gets one second. Yeah. Do you think that it's best for Beto to just drop out and run for Senate at this point? Would he be able to uh, pull it off? Sure. Listen, I think that um, better workers like John Ossoff. Yeah. Who's also running for Senate in in Georgia. Uh, now, very popular candidates. People really like them. Um, John Ossoff didn't go, you know what? I'm going to run for president. I lost my race and I, to, to Karen Handel, and I'm going to run for president. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like he wasn't that arrogant. Mm-hmm. And again, too many people with their draft Beto sucked him into this this primary this that, he that, 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 that he should have just never been in. Been in and from the beginning. 
And he, he, I think he has a really commanding uh, presence. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this is his time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, I think he might have set himself up for a Senate run, though, and a Senate win. Could I he? Mean, could he beat John Cornyn? Maybe. Uh, we'll uh, see. Uh, is Texas. Right. But, I mean, but here's the thing. He, beat, he almost beat Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz was unpopular amongst Republicans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John Cornyn is not unpopular amongst Republicans. Right. And that is a much harder seat to win than a Ted Cruz. It's true. Joe Biden, surprisingly, Joe Biden has been able to dodge <laughs> this... This crazy Ukraine thing that this this crazy ass president has thrown his way. Wait, it's it's incredible because the, quite honestly, he has been able to stay completely clean in regards to this whole Hunter Biden thing. I, it's it's amazing to me. I think that Joe still has it. What do you think? Joe Biden was my uh, preferred candidate in 2016 if he would have if he mm. ran like right before he said that he wasn't going to um, I don't think I jumped on the Hillary Clinton bandwagon until a few months uh, until a couple months after Joe Biden said he wasn't uh, going to be running uh, because by that point we had we just had Link, we had just had a debate it was like mm-hmm. Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton Lincoln Chafee Jim Webb oh my god Lincoln Chafee uh, Lord give me strength and, and, and they very around? early Bernie Sanders uh, <laughs> and then so so we didn't have a lot of candidates but but Joe Biden was always a favorite and I think he had a run in 2016. You know, he probably would have been the nominee. And but I also think that Joe Biden is certainly at the top of these polls, pr- primarily because of black voters. Mm. Um, very trustworthy in the in the black community. Listen, you know? I, I'll be honest with you: black folks don't get wrapped up in sca- in scandals. Mm. It's just not something that that black voters really care about, mm-hmm. as you see um, right now. Y- well, mm-hmm. you know, and and if you talk to black voters about Donald Trump, they know. That he shouldn't have never been in the first place. It's never almost like, and I told you so. Place, right? Kind of moment. <laughs> it's like, I told you, mm-hmm. we're going to stick to what we said the last time. The last time. And uh, I think with Joe Biden, it is, you know, we always have this conversation about a return to normalcy, and that's certainly what the campaign has doubled down on. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the fact that, uh, you know, he is from Delaware. He's super folksy. I think that he, when, to your point about Ukraine, part of the reason that story didn't stick is because Democrats didn't let it stick. Mm, they didn't let it. Um, the Democratic candidates that were running with Joe Biden, they knocked it out. It's like, it's the complete opposite from when Hillary Clinton and her email server. Mm-hmm. It, oh my if, goodness. If Democrats had come out there and, or Bernie Sanders had come out there and said, this, is this story correct. is... You know, he did say Blasphemous. what he said. I mean, he did. Well, he did say in, in the in the, the thing. I, enough about your damn emails. Damn but emails. it wasn't a this email. This email story is a non-story. It's illegitimate, right? right. You know, he it, had he said like like other candidates said about. And I'm not saying that. Listen, I don't want anybody to say think that I'm saying that Joe Biden that that Bernie Sanders didn't, you know, help try to swat some of that down. I'm saying it is completely different from the way that everybody has certainly protected Joe Biden from mm. this Ukraine story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and partly because I, I'm sure it's from a party strategy of knowing that Ukraine is such a huge part of the impeachment inquiry right now mm-hmm. that um, the candidates are have probably been told, you know, let's keep yeah. this away from Joe Biden as much as possible. And it shows you his strength. It shows you the strength that he has. Yeah, and when he was at the town, at the town, the LGBT count town hall, we saw it in person. I mean, listen, 
Joe, I, there I'd be honest with you. Joe Biden got up there, and I don't remember a single question that he was asked. <laughs> I don't. Even and I don't remember that, that. But that is how good Joe Biden is at deflecting a question. I don't remember what question. I was like, what? Do, what it was? I sitting next to somebody. I said, what did he ask? I looked over at Ryan Bashman, who was sitting next. And I said, I don't even remember what he I was no asked. Idea what he was asked. And uh, but boy, do I like him. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I love Joe Biden. Listen, when he, if if and when he's the candidate, go with Joe. Last but not least. Madame Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren, um, uh, the, you know this. I'm telling you, she seems to have been able to differentiate herself from Bernie Sanders, right, and uh, come out on top. I think depending on, I'm an Elizabeth Warren fan. I think depending on how she navigates this Medicare for All uh, situation mm-hmm. by not having come out with a plan, uh, I love to her to death. To pay for it, I think how she navigates that, you know, um, it, they've been ve- her campaign has been very good at navigating some, navigating some of the landmines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from the jump, they came out uh, um, apologizing f- outright about the uh, um, the Indian American piece about her 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 past. Um, recently, she uh, she talked about being pregnant, and then they tried to attack her being pregnant, and being fired. And they tried to attack her for that. Republicans really tried to attack her for that. Uh, and her campaign put out an incredible, they had an incredible rollout of what that would, of what that meant for women across the country who had all equally has been fired. So they've been very good at staying ahead of some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this this Medicare for All thing, I think, is the one one piece that she stumbled she on. Stumbled on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you get you get a couple of stumbles. You get a stumble. She, she hasn't run for president before, right? And so <laughs> so I think that that is. What, um, but that's where Elizabeth's gonna go. I think she can only go up. Yeah. Um, I, I think that if she takes another hit in the in the November twentieth uh, debate, um, she's gonna have to come out swinging against some people. She's gonna have to uh, be less professorial and and more. Hey, look, you're coming at the wrong person. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think she's gonna have to do what Joe Biden did in the second debate. Uh, which is to say Joe Biden was a lot stronger in the second debate than he was in the first debate because he took the hits. He didn't take the hits in the second debate. Elizabeth Warren, I don't think, is going to take the second the hits that she did this time in the second in this next debate. I hope so. You got to learn. You got to learn. If you don't learn from that first debate, it's the same thing with when Barack Obama was running for re-election in 2012 when right. he stumbled after that first oh, yeah. debate. Yeah, it, that that was a rough point with with uh, Mitt Romney, who's now just coming coming back to haunt Mr. Donald Trump right now. Um, v- very very interesting thing, but he learned. As long as you learn, you know you you can get on top. Drexel Heard, thank you so much for coming on Stonewall Spotlight to talk about the presidential race and our amazing blue tsunami, which we hope will have another one in November. We will come on back. I will anytime. I appreciate you having me on. I am Drexel Hurd, and I am Stonewall. Thank you for listening to Stonewall Spotlight. I am Marcus Loving Good, your host. Tune in next month for another exciting edition as we bring you more interviews spotlighting the most salient issues in Democratic politics. The Stonewall Democratic Club is a member-based organization looking for members. Are you interested in getting involved in democratic politics and further help the party take back the White House, House of Representatives, and the Senate? Visit StonewallDems.org. We want you.